Hi, this is Viv, and you're listening to a new episode of If I Did, You Can Too. The guest that I have for you guys today is a close friend of mine. She's been inspiring me on so many levels. And now she's here to inspire you guys as well. I got to know her when I was in Poland and I decided to get back to Iran. I needed someone to give me the realistic perspective of how it is to be a woman and to live in Iran in this day and age. From there on, we clicked and then we became close friends since then. But before we get to her story, I would love for you guys to take a moment to comment and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And also, I want to thank you guys for supporting your podcast and for sharing it with your friends. Thank you guys so much. Why don't we get inspired? Okay, so we have Ghazala right here. Ghazala, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, hi. I'm Gazole in Persian and then Gazelle in English. Uh, it's easier that way. And um, what do I say? I'm a product designer and experience designer at the moment. And I'm 32 years old. Currently, I am in Lisbon. I'm working on my own startup with my um, two other co-founders and um, it's been hell of a journey to be here, actually. And yeah, I am going to just give a little bit of a brief story right here for people. Before I left Poland forever, before actually deciding to leave Poland forever and going back to Iran, back then there was no option of Malaysia on the table. I wanted to contact someone who knew uh, how it is like to live in Europe or any other country but Iran and then go back to Iran to live. I wanted to see how it feels like and I needed for that person to be a lady because it's like a whole different story when you're a lady in Iran. So I actually found Ghazala that way on Twitter. I sent her a message and then we became best friends. So Ghazala... <laughs> Let's just tell your story so people would know why I actually contacted you out of all the people in the world. Just go from the beginning. Okay, one step back before jumping to this story. I met you the first time for like five minutes in the toilet queue of uh, this event in one of the northern uh, cities in northern parts of Iran. And you were wearing this red lipstick. I was like, ah, I really like this girl. But I was like, I don't know. I, and I didn't know you. I was like, oh, she's so loud and so energetic. I really liked you. And then so there was this whole Twitter message and everything. So, yeah. And it's really true that you have become such an important person in my life ever since. The story is that um, I have uh, left Iran when I was 20. And, um, I always wanted to go. So um, when I was 20, um, kind of things worked out in a way for me to move. Um, and I left for Malaysia to study there. And I studied, um, in an Australian university. And my whole plan there then was, um, that I go to an Australian university, then I can transfer my school and go to Australia eventually. And, um, 
Long story short, it didn't happen. <laughs> so what happened was um, I studied, I completed my studies and worked there and for almost seven years and I had to go back. Um, the situation uh, and life circumstances changed in a way that I had no other choice of but going back. Uh, and it was a very difficult decision for me back then. I was 26, 27, something. And um, I, it was very hard for me to accept it. Uh, of course, for, the main thing was just, was just that I didn't want to go back. Also, because of being a woman is just very difficult in Iran. So, but I had to pack my bags and go back home and accept this decision. And... I think uh, it took me six years again to move out and be here in Lisbon. So it, it has been a journey of growth and feeling a lot of um, discomfort. So that's why you contacted me to know how we can kind of reverse this whole immigration thing. And how does it feel to leave and then come back? How does it feel that to me, it's always like this. It's like, you're always, let's say you're eating a piece of bread with cheese and then somebody offers you pizza and then they're going to tell you, Oh, you're going back to the cheese and the bread. And like, okay, <laughs> when, when is, when am I going to have that pizza again? <laughs> I know. So you spent how many years in Malaysia? Uh, accurately six years and a half. Six years and a half. What happened exactly right here that you had to get back to Iran? Um, okay, uh, after my graduation, when I was graduating in 2000, it was end of 2011, it was the beginning of uh, those um, sanctions against Iran. So the banks were closed and um, I was kind of depending on my parents to still send me money. And one of the reasons that I went to Malaysia was because it's cheap comparing to other countries. And so in two month times, um, the currency uh, rate, um, I think, tripled. And my parents also couldn't send me money then. So I had to stay and find a job and just kind of fight for my place there and then um uh i stayed there i i, I worked and um, there it was it wasn't easy it was i think one of the most difficult uh, periods of my life that was like those four years and four years and a half and then eventually for the last year in malaysia because again of these sanctions they were closing our bank accounts in malaysia so um, there was no point for me to stay there. And also I was having a very difficult time finding a job that um, support me as a designer. If, if I was working maybe in an oil industry, I would have, have found a um, job or a company that hires Iranians. But back then, this, um, hiring a graphic designer, because I was a graphic designer then, and I wasn't that much of a senior designer. So I still needed the experience. There were a lot of companies who were, um, which were interested in me, but they couldn't uh, support me for the visa. So, um, and I really, um, took 
the extreme choices and did things to stay there and fight for my um, place there, but it just didn't work out. And eventually you realize you cannot fight with life. So you have to dance with it. And, and I accept that I had to go back. So that was the story of going back. Mm -hmm. When you went back, how did you feel when you went back to start everything from scratch again? Yeah. Um, well, the thing is that from, from the, like, um, 2015 or 14, I started, I realized that I can't stay in Malaysia. So I realized, um, I need to find another choice. I need to have another choice and another place to go. Back then, I found Germany the most suitable option. And I started learning German to go there because it was um, free of tuition fees if you knew German. So I started taking German classes and I had this plan in my mind that, okay, I'm going to study this. Um, but one of the other reasons that made me go back was this fact, the fact that uh, I was taking classes on weekends. So, um, it was not, not time for me to study because I was working full time. And also as a freelancer, I was awake from 4.30 in the morning, just studying, working, 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 and then everything. So, um, yeah. When I when I decided to go back, um, I knew that I need to continue my German lessons. So I contacted the Goethe Institute in Tehran and, and sort out everything. So by the time I'm back, I'm gonna go and continue with my German in a very um, like uh, it will be crash courses. And I thought to myself that it's gonna take nine months to reach that level that I want, and then. I'll be, I'll be out. So less than a year. That's how I sold the story to myself. But also, I think I remember there was a day, one of those last days that I was, I was sitting in my room and I was thinking, when we have guests, we always prepare ourselves. We, we clean the room, we prepare ourselves and we are ready to welcome them. I need to welcome this decision as a guest in my life and be prepared for it. I I cannot put it in words that how much difficult it was for me to take that decision and step because I just didn't want to go back. I never uh, felt like home there and didn't feel like I'm belonging there. So, and also the shame, the shame of going back because everybody thought that you're going for good and... Um, now you're thinking, oh, people are thinking, oh, she didn't make it. Oh, she couldn't. She just misses her family. And you know, these things that we have culturally because we have a lot of attachment, but I wasn't, that wasn't my case. And going back at the beginning was very tough. I remember the first day I woke up in my room and look at the window and the scenery was different. I read, I was used to that beautiful sky of Malaysia and the, you know, how the nature looks in Kuala Lumpur. And then here I am in a very different place, in a place that I didn't want to be. So it was very difficult. And also this whole explanation to everyone of like, what are you doing here? Oh, what happened? 
And it, it was very difficult to, um, learn this, that I shouldn't be ashamed of it. Uh, it was very difficult and heavy at the beginning. So um, I think the first year was very challenging, uh, in terms of accepting some things. Um, the immediate ones were like the internet, the VPN. I lost my accounts. I had to find out the way how to use Dropbox here. I needed to find someone who would pay me for the stuff, subscriptions. I lost my website because I couldn't pay for it. So these were the, the instant things that happened and, and, they were in my face. I was like, okay, not this. I don't have this. I don't, I don't have that. It's exactly, okay, there's no, no more pizza. So yeah, it was challenging. And then during the six years, um, because I was always trying to leave it as well, um, there were moments um, that um, my plan didn't work out. Like I was supposed to leave to Germany. And then after nine months that I was expecting to things to go well accordingly, um, a lot of things changed. I always say we plan for our lives, but we end up living the not planned ones. Um, so I ended up living a lot of unplanned moments and circumstances. So I think the most difficult part was also realizing that, oh God, I think I'm going to stick around and I have to stick around longer than I expected. So the whole fighting with everything uh, really made me exhausted. But I was fighting for a long time. Yeah. You didn't go to Germany after learning the language? I did in in a very (laughs) interesting way, though. Um, I couldn't make it to, um, Germany as a student, like the whole, um, as a student immigration thing. But, uh, when I was studying there, because I was going for like A1, A2, B1, B2, and, um, I was taking all the certificate exams. And then after my B2 certificate exam, there was a day, and it was funny because it was exactly in the moment, in those days that, all my plans for Germany uh, were destroyed uh, because of some stuff that had happened. Um, and I was very hopeless. And then I remember I was sitting on the couch and the, someone called me and they called me and told me, hey, uh, yeah, we're calling you from Goethe Institute and you have been the first student in the exam and we wanted to give you a scholarship to go to Germany. And I was like, what? Is, is it, is it right? Like, who are you talking to? Are you talking to me? <laughs> I, even today that when I think of that moment, I had my heart started beating so fast. And I was like, what, what do you mean? And he was like, and I asked the guys, like, are you sure? Like, you're going to send me to Germany for free to study there, to be there. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just need to come for an interview. So it was one of those unbelievable moments. And I think one of those moments that I'm really proud of myself and all the hardship that I went through. So eventually I went to Germany um, with a scholarship um, from Goethe Institute to study there for a semester. And I was in Berlin. So that was my first 
uh, actually entrance to Schengen area. Uh, so I was really proud that I made it for free. <laughs> but then it came back. Yes, I had to come back. I had to come back and I wasn't that type of person. Um, it, this is like one of the most interesting things that people always told me. Oh, you went to Germany? Why didn't you stay there? Why didn't you just um, immigrate or I don't know, tell yourself, tell them that you're, you want to be a refugee, but being a refugee never was my thing. So I had to uh, come back. And then again, after that, it was 2017, if I'm not mistaken, that I went there. And um, I didn't know that I still have two more uh, years of going through a lot of difficulties. So um, I think even after that, everything started getting more difficult. I... Um, I stopped, um, my German. I, I got my C1 certificate and then, um, another plan came for immigration, like, and going, moving out. That also didn't work. Um, so I was just tired and exhausted of chasing something called leaving Iran. And being always, I felt like I'm always in a bus stop waiting for my bus to come. And I always had my suitcase with me. Like I didn't buy anything. I always thought everything would have to suit in a suitcase. They have to fit in a suitcase. And it's like, okay, do I need these shoes? Do I want this? Do I want that? Oh no, that's not where you're, or even like, I'm not going to go this to this class. Um, because uh who knows maybe three months from now i will leave oh i'm not gonna have a boyfriend because i can't get too attached every aspect of my life was just um affected by this and at one some point i exactly i it was the 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 30s crisis um when i was it was my 30th birthday and i just like I, i can't do this i was really tired and emotionally physically i felt like i'm chasing and never reaching to something there's always that promise of future that's never happening sacrificing now for that tomorrow that hasn't happened so that was one of those moments that i think i hit rock bottom and then you decided to go back to the country um, I was, I was in Iran. Um, I went out even after going to Germany. Um, I went to Europe for around like four months again, looking for jobs that also didn't happen. Um, so yeah. And then after that, uh, I just stopped. I stopped chasing and I didn't even know what, what I want to do. And my parents were really frustrated because they they were really um always they have been encouraging to leave Iran and they also invested everything in me and also I was really um ashamed again of letting them down. I was feeling that i am a failure my dad. My dad is just a simple employee and 
we were we were not that rich never we always had financial issues so and also me personally going all through all those difficulties when i was in malaysia to just be dependent on myself it was um a lot of feeling of shame and heavy it was very heavy and i was lost um in any aspect that you can imagine my like work wise i didn't know where i want to go what i want to do um i had to rebuild the community that i had because for those two years when i was back the first two years i was just studying german going to class coming back home studying nothing else i was basically at home and to the institute and that was uh my social life and i realized that i need to do more like i need social life i need to think about what i want in terms of how do i even enjoy life what does it mean to enjoy life and be in a moment because i have done the only thing i've done is study work and then exercise <laughs> that's like the routine is the same thing and everything was just very practical productive and i didn't have any unproductive moment if i if i was sitting somewhere doing nothing i would start getting like anxious it's like oh am i doing something wrong i said i would start feeling guilty that i'm not being productive so mm, yeah it was i would say it was dark two years of very very dark experiencing dark days and not knowing where i am i i i couldn't really speak up about it with anyone um, i couldn't speak up about it with my parents as well because i was feeling ashamed and they also just wanted me to just like okay so what is your next move and i was like i don't know and at some point i was like i don't even want i don't think i want to leave i just want life and then there was other me it was like do you do you want this do you want to stay and it wasn't sure so it was it was always this constant inner battle i was just like what do i want to do and um it took me a lot of time and to be lost and then only after a certain time i felt like okay i'm finding myself again mm, but it wasn't easy what was that journey of you finding yourself i think one uh, positive point about me is that i don't stop so even when i was down even when i was uh feeling extremely lost i never stopped and by stopping i mean learning and moving forward um yes there were times i was working like a maniac um super workaholic and i was there was nothing other than my work my identity was my work and i had to learn to let go of that and unlearn that as well but i think being in um in the movement helps you to eventually um find things as i was reading the other day something by seth godin he was saying 
when it comes to catching a ball, if you're playing a throw and catch with someone, you don't necessarily have to be worried about if that the person is going to catch the ball correctly. You need to get good at throwing. You just need to keep on throwing and then the landing will happen. So I think that's one of my uh, characteristics that I don't sit somewhere and think, oh God, what am I going to do? I kept on going, moving on. And what I also did, which was at the moment, a lot of people made fun of me, but I went, I went to, to a lot of, I signed up for a lot of, um, classes like TA classes, self discovery things. I, and I like, this has been with me always mm, that the, this whole journey of self discovery, I, even when I was in Malaysia, I went to church for a year and a half because I just wanted to know how these people are doing. Or I remember the first book that I ordered uh, the, uh, in Malaysia was about Buddhism. So it was always interesting for me to discover this self. And um, in that time, I didn't know, like, what are these classes? Because there were just long hours of... Um, TA courses and I was reading books, um, about behavior, neuroscience and stuff like that. But I think eventually those helped me out. Um, reading always has been something that I, um, uh, it's like a therapy for me. And then the more you read, the more you find what you want to read. What, what, what are the books that are for you? And also I always have this belief that books always have a way of finding you as well. So you get the right book at the right time. And yeah, so I had to discover myself before I leave. And there was a point that I realized, okay, I think if I don't let go of the past and how I thought in the past, I'm not going to be able to create my future. I need new equipments in mental wise mentality I need to change I need to see things differently and I need to let go of a lot of anger um with myself not life just myself you know you have that angry um punisher inside of you that it's not even the inner critic it's even worse than that because it comes and beats the hell out of you when you're doing something wrong or those moments that you feel like, oh, I'm not being productive. And then, oh, okay, let me come and beat you. So I had to unlearn myself. I had to learn that it's, yes, it's true that nothing comes easy, but it doesn't mean that I have to go through hell to reach somewhere. Um... And I'm still unlearning a lot of things. But yeah, I had to really restructure myself. And then in since 2019, um, a lot of things changed. I think those dark days uh, started to vanish bit by bit. What happened? How did that exactly happen? Truth be told... Um, 
and you know it. <laughs> uh, I came out of a relationship. I think that's that was one of the things that um, really helped me start again. It was very difficult, um, but things changed. And I'm not saying because of that. It's just my mentality was uh, in a different state. So I had to finish some things. And um, it was, yeah, I think it was last a year and a half that everything started to change. So then when I, when I said to myself that, okay, this is not something that I want for my life. There's something bigger calling me. I don't know what it is, but I know it's calling me always. I have felt that. And I'm not saying it in a very spiritual way, but it's just like, I know there's so much in life that I want to be part of it. And I'm sure you know how it feels. It's, and that's why I wake up early in the morning. I do all the things that I do and people call me crazy, <laughs> but that's, it's that joy of, I know there is so much more in life. So, um, yeah, at that time I was a freelancer. I started getting international gigs from people find me on Instagram and I, I was really excited and it gave me a lot of confidence. And I also was surrounded with fantastic people. Let's not forget that. I mean, um, the one thing that I have been always blessed with is amazing, fantastic people who are around me. My friends, just like yourself are, I mean, if you didn't do those daily checkups on me. <laughs> <laughs> I need to give you a kudos for that. Um, I have had wonderful, wonderful uh, humans around me who have helped me uh, to be here where I am. It's not something that I have done it alone. Of course, I have done it with the help of my friends and my family. So um, having those people around me work-wise, just like um, getting more exposure, I ended up having... Um, a good job offer, not a good job offer, actually, it was a fantastic job <laughs> from uh, mm. a company called uh, Alibaba, which is like something like bookings for Iran. And um, for me, it was a bit, a bit of a difficult choice because I thought I'm, I'm not an employee type of person, which I'm not, but uh, I was like, do I have to go back to this again? And do I want to? So I took the risk again and I joined the company but uh, I think that was like the booster shot for me being in Alibaba just uh, took my life to another level because of the people of there and my I had amazing uh, colleagues they were all very very intelligent and also eager to learn. I, and that's one thing that always excites me and gives me so much meaning is to be surrounded with people who are eager to learn. And then only I felt like, oh my God, all those books that I read, all those hours that I put into those classes, 
all those jobs that I didn't know why the hell I'm doing it, it kind of paid off. And that's, um, that was to me was, I was just like, yes, eventually I'm seeing something. It, it was exactly as if a bamboo has been under the ground and then in the fifth year it's growing. So yes, I, I have to admit that being in Alibaba changed a lot. I was, um, work-wise, I was extremely satisfied because I'm a multidisciplinary person. So I was in a position that I could do design and something that is related to humans. I was in an HR department and I was an experienced designer for HR department. Um, I was an experienced designer for um, Zavia co-working space previously, but this was just in another level um, because I have never had the opportunity to work in a company which has like 600 employees. So the scale of everything was just huge. And I have to think differently. And I also would think, how would businesses are thinking in this scale? Um, and I was very lucky to be able to participate and be a part of leadership teams and learn a lot of, a lot about coaching and also leadership, which, um, was one of the interesting areas. I've always been inter- interested in leadership, but these were like the doors that I were just like opening. And to me, it felt like you need to start looking forward. And it, I, I've always been, it's just like, when you're thinking, um, I kind of feel like you always have your face towards your back as well. Like, oh, what if that happens? What if that, what if that bad memory comes back or bad, that bad experience comes back? But the thing is that, yes, you have experienced bad things, but that doesn't mean that you are entitled to experience them again. And I had to let go of that and unlearn that oh yes, they're good things and you deserve it. Don't be afraid. Because I was at some points even afraid like uh, when something good is happening and then I'm thinking, oh, I know. I know something bad is going to, something is going to get wrong. (laughs) I wasn't used to having that. So it was a lot of, again, mental um, unlearning for me. And I was, um, I was lucky to be uh, given a chance to speak at conferences and give workshops. And it was really a year of paying off. That's how it felt to me. I mean, 2020, although it was Corona and we had a lot of difficulties, especially in Iran. But for me, I was really blessed. It was pure growth in a different way. So in Iran, you had this perfect job and then you were close to family and then you had your social life and everything. And then you decided to leave. What happened? Yeah, it's funny. Even I was thinking about it yesterday. It's like, woman, you were starting from scratch again. Yes, I am at the beginning and from starting from scratch again and in a even scarier I would say, um, circumstance compared to the first time that I left. I told myself that I, if I'm going to leave again, I'm not going to ask 
for a single cent from my parents. It's not going to happen. So that's one thing. And also I was sure that the next time I will leave, it's not going to be leaving for the sake of leaving. It's going to be leaving because I'd like to live there and the circumstances are good enough for me. So I'm going to have a good life. Um, so a year ago, me and a friend of mine, we started working on a project about education. Randomly, we were searching about what are the trends after Corona in various industries. And we, we ran into this whole thing called EdTech because of Corona and how it has affected, um, educational scene in the world and how things are changing. Um, so we kind of followed that just easily that we didn't put much of an effort to it. Um, we started, uh, we launched an MVP, very basic, still looks ugly, but it still works. <laughs> it's funny. So it's, it's a platform for, um, parents and teachers. And what happens is if you have a child at your home and you want to have a semi-private class, you say, okay, I have this kid, she's six years old and I have a space for three other kids to come and they can play together. They can learn guitar or learn, learn mathematics. And there's a teacher who's willing to teach them. So they would match these parents and teachers together. And interestingly enough, we got around 600 users in two months. And we're like, wow, that's really interesting. And the funny part was, and the interesting part was that uh, we could see like what parents are messaging each other or they would message us that they're looking for communities. Like, hey, do you know other parents who whose child has ADHD? Or I don't know, I have this kid who's, who doesn't have friends. Can you help me find other parents who are looking for friends for their kids. So we realized, oh, okay, people need their communities. Parents are looking for their communities. So um, we decided to shift towards that and changed a bit of our, uh, our strategy towards this, that there, there would be a possibility for parents to create their communities because then they can support each other, learn from each other, and also... And when it comes to education, it's not only kids who are being educated. You need parents and teachers who are also, um, having that process of like self-development. Uh, during Corona, we have, we are having exhausted and um, burned out parents and teachers because everything was online. Everything was at home. Parents have to be parents and teachers simultaneously. So having that community of people who you can talk to and learn from and know that you're not alone and plan things together, or maybe you can have like your child being taken care of by one parent and you go with your friends, have a dinner night out, you know, it's just that support system. Uh, so we came up with this um, idea and we have uh, been working on it Um the thing is that uh, we wanted to come to Portugal. Um, my co-founder, Iman, has been coming, traveling to Portugal for five or six times. I was here at 2018 and um, I mean, we liked it. For From 
different angles if you look at it. And to me, it's the weather, the beautiful city. Um, but it's, it's a good location to start, uh, for a startup as they are really, um, helping out and, um, expanding their startup scene. So business wise, I think it was, um, um, it was our, our best decision to come here and work on this product. That is awesome. So you decided to follow this other dream. It's not the other dream. <laughs> it's actually the same dream. I, I think, to be honest, I was really scared back before coming here because I'm here depending on whatever I have gathered financially as my saving. So I need to find a way to make this work. And I knew that I didn't want to be in Iran and I want to have the opportunity to experience life in a way that I wanted, in a way without restrictions. And this has been my dream. So that's why I don't call it the other dream. And ever since moving here, I feel like I haven't been more aligned with what I have in mind for myself. It's just fantastic. I can see the path and I enjoy the path that I am, although it's risky, it's scary, and I don't know where is my income. <laughs> And if this product is going to work here or somewhere else, yes. So, but I think that, that the, the thing that is aligned with my integrity is freedom. Freedom has been my dream. So this is my dream. Yeah. And if it is from scratch, let it be from the scratch. I'm going to get good at throwing. I love this. Oh my God. I wish I didn't have to do the whole goodbye and everything. I will finish the podcast right here. <laughs> Perfect ending. <laughs> but I need to do this. So Ghazale, tell us, tell everyone, I mean, I know, where they can find you. They can find me on Instagram and Twitter. My Twitter handle is Ghazale67. It's G-H-A-Z-A-L-E-6-7. And um, my Instagram is uh, my name again uh, with my family name is G-H-A-Z-A-L-E-M-O-T-I-A. You can find me on my Instagram as well. And I'm always available if you message me. Where can I find out about the startup? Oh, you can on? find it on Ad Hoc School. It's A-D-H-O-C-School.com. This is our website. We had a very... Softy, softy launch. We are getting early user feedback at the moment, but yeah, they can look at it and I like it. It's pretty, <laughs> but we're working on, um, the user feedbacks and see how we can improve it. It's a long journey. Um, but yeah, you can also find our stuff on ad hoc school and we have a weekly um, event on Clubhouse with, uh, influential people on, in the, in the edtech, uh, industry. Uh, we have had amazing guests from Microsoft, Adobe. And last night we spoke with the regional manager of uh, Lego education. 
And interestingly enough, all of these are female. So this gives me a lot of um, encouragement and also inspiration to see how women are being influential in education. And that also is something uh, on Clubhouse. Yeah, these are the places. And right now we're in September, 10th of September, 2021. By the time this episode is out... You don't know where the website is going to be. Maybe it's full <laughs> yes. functioning and everything. And also by the time someone started listening to this, maybe someone started listening to this in 2022. And you're already yeah. a big name. No one knows. Who knows? Thank you, Raza. Thank you, thank you, thank you so, so, so much for coming on the show. You know how much I love you and respect you. You're such an inspiration to me and I know to a lot of people around you. So thank you for accepting my invitation and coming on the show. Go ahead and tell us what is this one last thing you want to leave the audience with. Okay, first of all, thank you so much. And I do love you back. And you're also my inspiration on daily basis. <laughs> I think just let's not lose the spark. Always look Look at that spark. It's, it's there in, in our heart. We just have to take care of it. It's very fragile. So we have to be very careful with that spark. Go ahead. Say your goodbyes. We'll wrap up the show whatever way you want. And then once you're done, I'll do my version of goodbye. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm really glad for this talk. I said a lot of things that a lot of people didn't haven't heard. <laughs> So um, this is me opening up and it was great. And I hope that this will be uh, some sort of help to people who are going through some time of difficulty and not knowing where they are. Um, and I'm always available. If anyone wants to chat, just drop me a message. And thank you so much for this. Um, there's going to be a lot of things, new things on my way as well. So, um, I'll be, um, publishing them soon. Uh, and I'll, I'll, and I'll be announcing them on my social media. So yeah, uh, I'll, I'm really looking forward to know more from your audience as well. Thank you. Thank you, girl. Thank you guys for listening. This was Viv. And Razale, thank you for all your support. This was yet another episode of If I Did, You Can Too. Until next time, bye-bye. Mm-hmm.